welcome back to another episode of songwriting saves the world if you are currently listening on spotify then you can like and follow download it if you are listening on itunes and you can like and follow maybe download you can definitely comment and review if you're <laughs> listening on soundcloud you can like and follow and comment Keep up with everything that we're doing by following us on social media. Mm-hmm. You can follow us on Instagram at Songwriting Saves the World, on Twitter at Song Saves World, and on Facebook you can like our page, and it is Songwriting Saves the World. You and know, get you the whole family to like it. Oh yeah. <laughs> and if you really, really like our show, you can support us on Patreon at Songwriting Saves the World for four dollars a month. You get monthly song breakdowns and a laptop sticker and possibly more Ooh. merch in the future that we're working on so hang Ooh. tight okay guys welcome back to another episode of songwriting saves the world today we have a really super special i mean every week is a special guest but this week is extra special because we have one of my faves here um, we have Lula Pilar. Lula Pilar is a singer-songwriter from New York. Yeah. She released her first single, Isolated Dreams, this year, which beautifully describes the emotional trauma of living through a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And she has hopefully more music coming out in the future, and she's just all around awesome. So yeah, thank you for being on the show, Lula. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I'm super excited. Yay. Yay. <laughs> So we have a little intro game. Okay, cool. Called Right to Our Tank, which is literally just a knockoff musical version of F. Mary Kill. Knockoff? Okay. It's an upgrade. Okay, okay. Well, yeah, but it's <laughs> like we plagiarized. You know, people are like, don't copy word for word. And we're like, that. Oh. that's basically what okay. the game is. I got it, got it. But it's called Right to Our Tank. So you can write with an artist, tour with an artist, and then one has to be dumped in a water they tank. They gotta go. Like a festival carnival game. Okay, yeah. okay. And your three options are Alessia Cara, Frank Ocean, and Phoebe Bridgers. Okay. We have the right. big three. Okay, wait. Can you say the three <laughs> words again? Right, what, or tank? Yes. Right, tour, tank. Okay, tour. Okay, I have seen Alessia Cara live. Ooh. She was an amazing performer. Yeah. But, okay, here's the thing. First, I have to write with Frank Ocean. I think he's an amazing uh-huh. writer, and I've always been, like, even my friends, I've been, like, if if there was anyone I would have a master class with, it would be Frank. Yeah. Because I'm obsessed okay. with him. So I have to write with him. Tor, I don't want to tank either of them. Well, such is life. Okay. Usually the okay, okay, okay. Yep. okay, dream would be, dream would be touring the three of us, but I would have to choose Alessia because I've liked her for, like, Forever. Yeah. She seems like a so lot I of have fun. To, I have to tank Phoebe. I'm really sorry. Okay. Sorry, don't, Phoebe. Don't let her see any of this. Phoebe Bridgers. I'm sure she's not listening. I, I mean, I don't mean to, like, be mean to us as we a podcast, that. but I... <laughs> <laughs> like, I have a hunch. But I have a... I could say with some amount of certainty that Phoebe Bridgers is not listening <laughs> Can you start with just, like, explaining your musical background and just, like, a summary of what brought you to where you're at now with music. Yes. So my parents are both super musical. They met in a band at NYU. They were like oh, some of the it's first like people. The I know. Thing ever. They were some of the first people in no. that, like, in what now is Clive Davis. Like, that's kind okay, of what OGs. they started in. Yeah. I know. <laughs> okay. And um, 
so that's where they met, and they were in the band. So music, and then my mom was a tour manager mm-hmm. before she had me. And my dad is now a recording engineer. So obviously, I'm always been surrounded by music. Right. And I don't. I feel like this always sounds like pretentious, <laughs> but like I've never, <laughs> I never, like I've been. I feel like I've been writing forever. And it, I think it's it true. Never, it never really registered that that was not a thing people were doing. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, like yeah, I've yeah. I've always had like, yeah. like I've always had like songs playing in my head, and I was never like, oh, people are not going around humming new melodies to themselves like all. Yeah, the time. I <laughs> totally like, agree that's with that. Just, yeah, that's just how I think. And then, so obviously, I was never like, I wasn't sharing music with anyone when I was like freaking eight and like writing something stupid. Right, but. So, I think I got serious. So, the year before Grammy Camp, which was 2019, right? Correct. Summer 2019. Yep. The year before that, I did this camp called Socapa, which was kind of the first, like, songwriting intensive thing I mm-hmm. did. And it was much less serious and like industry focused than grammy camp was yeah and i think grammy mm-hmm. camp made me realize like oh i actually want to like make something out of this like this is not like a, a little hobby thing right and then uh-huh. through quarantine so i wrote this song isolated dream yeah which y'all should stream stream it <laughs> but i wrote that amazing <laughs> i wrote that song um and it was kind of one of the first songs that i posted i'd had this singing account that i'd always posted covers on but Mm -hmm. isolated dream was the first like original that i really put out to a bunch Uh of people and i really did not expect to hear anything like anything positive not that people would say rude things but i didn't think it would affect anyone you know what What? i mean i thought it would like i just knew you're gonna make no but i never had (laughs) (laughs) i never had a song I'd never come out with a song, and then people, like, privately reached out to me that I didn't know. Oh, okay, okay. And been like, wow, I related to yeah. this. And so that's what kind of led mm-hmm. me to put it out. And then I wrote this song, second song that I kind of really put out during quarantine called Skin, mm-hmm. which is not mm-hmm. released anywhere, but it's on my Instagram. I love that song. Thank you. It's about the Black Lives Matter movement and George Floyd and... It was written around all of that. And now my writing is honestly a lot more focused toward social justice issues mm, because I just think that's what's because I just think that's what's so present right now, you know? And I think yeah. that I don't know, it's kind of hard because like it's easier to write like a love song and have everyone be like, Oh, this is cute and mm-hmm. I really like it. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's it's so much scarier to put out something that's like on a controversial issue, and you never know if you're going to be offending people. But I, that's where I'm at right now. I'm trying to venture into that. Wow. More. I think amazing. that's amazing. Yeah. Wow, Jinx. Thanks, guys. What a queen. <laughs> you're welcome, audience, that you get For to listen real. to Lula talk. You're being blessed. <laughs> Well, since you've been writing for a really long time on this podcast, we talk a lot about like the songwriter's toolbox, which are things that you kind of collected throughout the years that you use when you're writing and you have lots of years of experience. So what are some things that you've collected throughout your life that you have in your songwriting toolbox? Like little tips and tricks. Yeah. 
Okay, tips and tricks. So, I feel like everyone always asks songwriters this, but it's like yeah. lyrics or melody first. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I, <laughs> I am a lyrics person. Like, I'm always humming, but if I really sit down to write, I'm usually lyrics. So, my thing is I have a huge notes folder in my phone mm-hmm. that's just completely, like, one-liners. Uh-huh. And usually I can piece them together if I'm really, like... Because I can see if some idea keeps repeating in my head and I have a bunch of things that relate to one yeah, yeah, yeah. topic. So I feel like that's my main tip. I feel like <laughs> you should write down everything that you think has potential. Mm-hmm. And also voice memos is like you literally have something yeah. record you in your pocket at all times. Mm-hmm. And I think I feel like everyone would say these things. Voice memos are but so I feel like funny. definitely use that. Yeah. Voice memos are hilarious. Listening back to voice memos are just so bad sometimes. Like the ones that are late at night and your voice is all like crackly and like gross. Yep. And then you listen in the morning. I have ones. Yeah, I have ones from like going to sleep. It's like (laughs) two a.m. and I like roll over and something, and it's so bad. But I think seriously, do that as much as you can. Yeah. Yeah. I think just put everything out there at least because I feel like. Most songwriters, I mean, I've definitely experienced, like, oh, this idea is so good, and I'm going to remember uh-huh. it, and then the you next day it's completely gone. So 100% write everything down. Yeah. I love the, one. when you're hanging out with songwriters, the kind of little, like, the escape when, like, someone will just kind of, like, I've seen this happen so many times, just kind of, like, get up and, like, just, like, quietly, like, sneak out of the room, and then you see them in the corner just, like, with their <laughs> phone, like, and you're, like, what the heck are they yeah. doing? But if you're a songwriter, you're, like, you, you, they had an idea, and they just, they just, like, Prepped out. It's hilarious. (laughs) Yes. You were talking about writing about social change and social justice, and you have your song Skins, which is so amazing. It has affected so many people. People can relate to it. And so I wanted to ask you, since Skins and Isolated Dreams are both kind of about big, big topics and, and issues and things that kind of contain a lot of story and a lot of weight for people. So how do you, because I've always kind of struggled with writing stuff like that, writing stuff that is talking about social change, because I'm like, how do you take something so nuanced and huge and like one, have a have a interesting perspective on it and two, like whittle it down to something that I can fit in a song. So how do you approach writing about big things like that? How do you, and how much do you let like your own perspective play a role in it and stuff? Very good question. Thank I think you. I have two. <laughs> I think I have two two part answer. So, my first part is that when I was younger, I was really really shy, and just like very introverted. And then in seventh grade, I switched to the public school uh-huh. from a grade that had like five kids in my entire grade at my old school. Yeah. And so when I came to the public school, which was like two hundred fifty kids right. in my grade, I was like really forced to talk to people and be more open. Public school will do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, it does. And I'm thankful for it, honestly, because I don't think that I'd be able to share my perspective comfortably if I wasn't, in general, comfortable sharing it with people, just in life. And then in terms of, like, them being such big issues, I mean... These are both two songs, Isolated Dream and Skin, are both two songs that 
it's kind of that type of song where you like sit down and write it in like half an hour yeah. because it's just like inside you. Yeah. Like every songwriter experiences that a hundred percent. And I think Isolated Dream was completely personal, completely like I am feel so stuck in quarantine. Right. And like I need to I need to say something. But it wasn't like Isolated Dream really was not focused on giving anyone a message it was just about myself Mm -hmm. which I think is why it was interesting that it was relatable to so many people Uh and then skin I was definitely more careful with because it is an issue that is controversial there's also a ton of like hate and violence around it and I know it's like a very dividing topic but I think when I wrote it, it was really right after, like, everyone saw the George Floyd mm-hmm, video. Mm-hmm. And so many, like, teen, people of color, teens of color, uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know what to say. It's, like, correct. Yeah. But we're putting out, like, art forms, like, spoken yeah. word, music, whatever, that was a full of a lot of hate, which I think is completely valid. And, like, I don't think I can ever invalidate someone being angry about uh-huh. that video mm-hmm. but just in terms of like wanting to create something that wasn't full of anger was kind mm-hmm. of like where that song came from because I think unfortunately like a lot if that if something like art a teen makes gets to a lot of adults and it's very angry a lot of adults can just say like that's teen angst or like label it however they want mm-hmm. that just makes it like in such a negative light and kind of, like, pushes it to the side. And so, I don't know, I kind of thought that something more raw would be, like, more reachable, maybe. Okay, so moving forward with your career and your life, do you see yourself being an artist? Are you interested in different areas of music, like going into musical theater or writing for different artists or whatever it may be, just kind of, like, being involved in music in different ways or actually being the artist? So this is kind of funny, but I think I told Sasha this at Grammy camp, Yeah. but she was the first artist that I worked with that wanted to be oh, a writer. Same. Like, yeah, like I had never <laughs> experienced that. I never thought it was an option. I was never like songwriters are writers. Like songwriters can be separate mm-hmm. from the artist, you know, which right. kind of yeah. opened my eyes to a lot of stuff. I mean... Like, my parents did this one project a few years ago that was, like, film scoring, and I thought that was so interesting. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. Like, I thought that could be something cool to go into. In terms of, I have a love-hate relationship with musical theater because (laughs) (laughs) I have been doing musical theater for, like, since I was, like, eight, maybe. So that's, like, nine Mm. years. Coming up on nine years. Mm. But I have, like... All of my, um, like, anxiety, like, performance anxiety associated with musical really? theater. Like, uh-huh. I don't feel that. Yeah, which is super weird. Like, I don't feel that when I'm singing my own songs. Like, obviously, I have a little uh-huh. stage fright. But I just, like, go so in and out of, like, I don't even want to audition for the show. Or, like, something like that. I don't know. So, in terms of life, I would much rather be a singer-songwriter artist than 
musical theater person. But no hate to them because I think they're amazing and talented. Wow, that's really interesting. Because I feel like most people that I've met who do both will say that performing like in theater has helped them with any type of stage fright. But it's interesting that it's like only associated with being up on stage for that and not for not really for like your own music. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people um I think it's helpful to a lot of people with stage fright because you really aren't yourself. Mm-hmm. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Like you're playing someone and it's so much easier to be like you're act you're literally acting as someone else. So it's easier to block out all of that anxiety and stuff. Yeah. But I just think it, it might be because of my comfort level. Like, I'm more comfortable singing uh-huh. my own song. Mm-hmm. I'm, like, trying to belt something I can't <laughs> sing. So, like, <laughs> I might... That's maybe why I like songwriting, singer-songwriter vibe yeah. more. But, yeah, I don't well, know. That's where I'm at with that as a Kind man. of related to that, since, like, your parents obviously are both musicians and incredible musicians in the music world... And so, like, your dad is a <laughs> recording engineer and your mom was, like, a tour manager and stuff. Did you kind of – I feel like a lot of people do not know that there's all these different, like, jobs within music and options within music because you really just see, like, the the pop star and you're like, that's it. There's nothing else. And so they don't know, like, until they're older, older the whole, like, extent of it. But since, like, you mm-hmm. kind of got to see – all the different ways that you can be involved in music and you can be a musician, do you think you kind of, like, I don't know, have, like, a better sense of, like, the holisticness of what it means to have a career in music? Yeah, I mean, I think that definitely could be part of it because, (laughs) I don't know, my mom and my dad have both always not pushed, they've never, like, pushed any, like, path on me, which I'm very thankful Mm -hmm. for. But they've also been very openly like, we loved being in a band and we do not like musical theater heads. <laughs> like, not really, like, not like, not like musical theater is bad. Nothing like that. Just in terms of the industry, like, I feel like there's a uh-huh. lot. This could be totally wrong because I don't, I'm 17. But I feel like there's <laughs> so much more negative competition in musical theater. I don't know. I just feel like it's really? so focused on Broadway. Okay. I feel like it's so mm-hmm. focused on Broadway. Obviously, there are, like, I think there are way more kids making music in their room. And in mm-hmm. that way, there's, like, competition in this industry. Uh-huh. Like, hugely competition. But I just feel like, like, I maybe that's part of my experience with why I feel more anxious with musical theater. Because I just feel like there's, like, negative vibes in the audition world. And, like... I don't know. That's just not my path. I can't. Maybe it's, I don't think I could handle being told no as much as people who are in musical theater are. Right. You know what I mean? Just like constantly auditioning and yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. That's part I can't of it. lie. And like with my parents. Yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say that musical theater people scare me. Also. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I remember on like the first day of Grammy camp or something. I was singing something stupid, and Sasha was like, oh, you have musical theater training. You're like, <laughs> oh, I can tell. And I was like, I was like, yeah, I do. And it's funny. Oh, I, I mean, like I can sniff yeah, it out from literally. my way. No, but you I have mean, a beautiful I, voice. I have, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I mean, I do have, I do, I am vocally trained in musical theater. I have had a vocal coach since, like, the seventh grade. And Amazing. we are, like, she is a musical theater person. Yeah. Like, 
that is who she is. And I am, like, we have a really strong relationship, and I'm very open with her, like, her name was Celeste. But I'm like, listen, you know I'm not going to Broadway. I don't want to be singing, Uh like, huzzah, whatever type of music. But I do think that her training is really, really helpful with songwriting because it's still all about Mm -hmm. expression, and you can still use a million different techniques, and you can still expand your range all the time and then write songs wherever you want and i'm i don't know very appreciative of that yeah that's cool i mean you do have a really broad range you can sing some high notes i gotta say (laughs) (laughs) thank you (laughs) okay so you play ukuleles and you have some folky influence in your voice Mm -hmm. and in your songs but you also have kind of like a modern edge so how do you incorporate those different like genres and different things when you're writing and recording music? Okay, so this is actually I kind of wish that I didn't have this like attribute, but I really don't like production. Like I really <laughs> dislike. I really get so frustrated. Like once I've recorded a song, I would so much rather opt for every song to be like me on like voice and on one mm. instrument and like mix uh-huh. it and then master it and then be done and not have right. any stuff but and that's like the folkier influence mm-hmm. i think like if i'm writing a song on uke and i want it to be like very simple and it's maybe starting to sound too country <laughs> for what i like then i go into like different production yeah. stuff yep. do you know what i mean I think that's uh-huh. kind of how I balance it. I also think I was kind of, I was trying to put, during quarantine, I was trying to put together an EP mm-hmm. of just songs mm-hmm. that I've been writing, and it's kind of being, like, pushed because of college application stuff. But half of the songs are folky, and half of the songs are, like, this, like, modern, more, like, R&B pop thing. And I think the balance is, like, not... I think the balance as a songwriter has to come from you not trying to push songs in any direction. Mm -hmm. Like, I think the songs were written and they want to be what they want to be. And I think half of my songs would sound so bad if they were produced similarly (laughs) to my other songs. And Mm -hmm. I think, I don't know, I think it's up for interpretation. I mean, I think musical genres are getting so much more blended. Like, every time some artist puts out a new album, I'm like, I have no idea what genre right. this is. But I think <laughs> that that's, I think that's what people yeah. like, you know? I mean, I feel like yeah. I have this weird relationship or, like, interpretation of, like, genre and if you can write to a certain genre or if you can't. Because on the one hand, on the more, like, artistic side of it, if I'm just making music to make music, which is, like, a beautiful spot to be at and a beautiful mindset to be in, and I totally love the fluidity mm-hmm. of, like, this is just going to be whatever it's going to be, and I'm going to let my influences come through, and I'm just going to follow what I like rather than trying to overanalyze it and be like, what genre is this and whatever, and, like, any of the stuff that comes with that. And so I love that, and I love that for artists who write their own music. But then when I think of it from, like, a more, like, business songwriter perspective of like oh I want to pitch things and I want to be writing for other people then kind of thinking about how can you write a song that like even just on on guitar and voice like is a country song or is a pop song and like is there certain melodies and kind of formats that fit those things and so in that situation I kind of 
think about genres more in boxes just because I'm like if I want to be able to some like write for an artist and they're like I want a pop song like what does that mean like how can I like create something that will fulfill that for them Mm -hmm. and so but that also feels kind of limiting so I think it's it's interesting but I totally agree that um I don't know just more kind of fluid genre mixing is is the future and is the most kind of true artistic way I agree well thank you so much for being on the show this is all our questions and you're amazing yes thank you guys for having me (laughs) and we should all write together and um facetime and stuff because i miss the frick out of you yes (laughs) new collab i miss you too sad (laughs) welcome back for song of the week and woman of the week you want to go first sure my song of the week is Devil's Advocate by The Neighborhood because it's Halloween and it's Halloween themed sort of. And it has this kind of like lazy, not lazy, it has energy, but it's also not like bam, 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 like sing rap type thing. He goes like black tie for a white tee. And it just kind of in the verses, it really flows. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I've been moving light speed, light speed, light. It's like really groovy. And it feels like, dare I say, a little Michael Jackson-ish, a little, like, Ooh. reminiscent of that, in the verses at least, just in kind of, in the attitude, really, and, like, the way the words he chooses. Like, I think that, like, rap, or, like, this isn't really rap, it's more, like, rhythmic singing, sort of, but mm-hmm. anything like that can be so interesting if, like, you really, like, use the like amount of like words and rhythms that you can pick from Mm -hmm. like um why am i forgetting to pimp a butterfly what's that kendrick lamar Lamar? like i love kendrick lamar because he's so smart with his lyrics Mm -hmm. and just like the rhyme schemes and the words and it's just like wow you really like you you're like i get to just kind of like talk over music and i'm gonna use that to like the best of my ability and i think that this song kind of has a hint of that just it's really interesting and in the word choice so yeah that's my song of the week i like that good pick um my song of the week is from afar by (coughs) vance joy Mm. you know i'm a sucker for guitar and (laughs) voice um i really like this song because it's very simple like in the production it's literally Mm -hmm. just like an acoustic set type of song and it just there's a line in it that i really love and um just like the song in general Mm -hmm. but the line that i really love is well i've been living off the crumbs of your love and i'm starving now oh and it's so sad but it's such a good song and it's basically just like him loving someone from afar Mm -hmm. he's like two falling sparks one willing fool and i always knew that i would love you from afar oh this is so sad but i love this make me cry vance joy okay but yeah, so that's my song of the week this week. My woman of the week this week is Solange. Ooh, I, um, I felt like you were going to pick her. Why? Because I kept seeing you listening to her on Spotify. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I've been listening to Cranes in the Sky like a lot. That was almost going to be my song of the week, but then I was like, I'll just make her, bump it up, make her my woman of the week, and I'll <laughs> talk about it there. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like this moody kind of sparse R&B and her voice always mm-hmm. feels to me like it's, like, floating above the music, which I really like. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, never 
any rush to her songs. Like, some songs now, I just feel like, it's like, hook, 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 I'm throwing a hook at you. Like, you don't even have to like this song, but you're going to remember it. And, like, that's, like, what, like, Mm -hmm. pop feels like. And it feels kind of, like, aggressive. But, like, Mm -hmm. listening to her albums just feels like she's like, hey, just, like, come sit down and, like, listen and groove. And, like, we'll go on this journey together. And when (laughs) I put it on, I just feel, like, an ease because, like, you have no choice but to, like, really sink into the song in her world. And, yeah, it's just really cool. My woman of the week this week is Alicia Keys. Ooh. I'm surprised we haven't done her <coughs> yeah, yet. Yeah, me too. I, I mean, I'm sure you all know who Alicia Keys is. For sure. Classically trained pianist. Started composing at, like, the age of 12. She was signed by 15. Mozart. She's a legend. Right. Um, I just really, really love Alicia Keys, and I love that she started when she's the music mm-hmm. to cre- increase the number of women working in music. And I think it's just a really cool way to kind of, you know, like when you're in a position of power yeah. and you can, you know, be more inclusive. So it has like mentorships and writing programs. And I really love that she does that. And she's still very active in the music scene, obviously. But yeah, so I think that's super cool. And I love that. So yeah. she's my woman of the week. Bye, guys. Thanks so much for Bye listening guys. to this. See you next week. Mwah. Mwah, 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 mwah. Even in the dark, I see your face.